Welcome to the Road Less Travel Adventure Series through Fat Cat Media. My name is Nikki Shea. I'll be taking you through the ups and downs and the interesting aspects of travelling, camping, four-wheel driving, a bit of hunting, gold frosting, all kinds of things. So it's great to catch up with you. Again, thanks to those who've showed some support. And as always, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram and also on our YouTube page. This week I thought we'd have a chat about yabbies. Uh, yabbies are also known as marin. They're a native to Australia and related to crayfish, crabs, lobsters, prawn and shrimp. You can find them in creeks, dams, rivers, backwaters and lakes all over Australia. Now yabbies are nocturnal, uh, although they can be caught all day long. And you can do that with simple homemade traps like wrapping some bait in among the branches and leaves of a tree. They also work when the yabbies are plentiful. You can use such things as a ball of wool, which suits kids who prefer more active methods of fishing. You can also use drop nets. This has probably been the most successful technique. There's a variety of baits that can be used in the nets. Uh, Once caught, you take them out of the net, which you need to watch out for the claws, and chuck them in an esky with ice in it. This will slow them down and keep them fresh until it's time to cook. Now, just watch out, though. Sticking your hand into an esky full of live yabbies is like sticking your hand into a box of mouse traps. A nip from a yabby claw will draw blub. Some say clean them in clean water for a little while. Just keep them there. And then when it comes to cooking them, well, the simplest way of cooking them is to drop them into a, bot, a pot rather of boiling water for five minutes or so, depending on how big they are. You peel them when they are cooked, when they've turned red, and their shells peel off easier. Don't peel them raw. It's pretty hard work. And you usually only eat the tail meat and only bother with the large claws. There's not much meat in them at all. And yabbies do have a really nice, subtle taste. They go well with most dips and sauces that you'd use for other crustaceans, like, as I said, prawns, crabs and lobsters. Be careful, though, cooking them on the barbecue because they can cook really, really quickly, usually in less than a minute. So here's a nice little recipe to try on the road or at home. It's yabby tails with honey and lemon dip, and it serves about 12 people. So you temper out one dozen, y- dozen yabbies, dispatch and tail meat clean. So keep the shells and use them for a bisque. 100 grams of plain flour, uh, 10 grams of wheat starch, which is wheat and corn flour, a third of a cup of cold water, a few ice cubes, two free-range egg yolks, uh, one litre of flavoured neutral oil for frying, such as rice bran or grapeseed if you want. You heat the oil in a wok or a big pot just until it's shimmering. You mix the flours, put in approximately 20 centimetre bowl and you make the well in the middle. You mix the egg yolk with the ice and water. You sort of bust them up a bit. Pour in the well, but don't mix it. It will make gluten, which makes the batter tough. Drag the yabby tails from one side of the bowl through the flour and then the egg slurry to the other and then back cross again. The tail meat should be sort of coated and don't worry if there are wet and dry patches. It shouldn't look like it's been in beer batter. Pop in the shimmering 180 degree centigrade oil for about 30 seconds and until they're pale golden and the batter starts to firm out. You lift them out, drain them into like uh, paper toweling or absorbent paper and you serve. The dipper honey is sesame seed dipping sauce. You just use two teaspoons of honey, two teaspoons of toasted sesame seed juice, uh, about the juice rather of a lemon, a quarter of a teaspoon of sesame oil and light soy sauce, two spring onions and just use the green parts and finely chop them. You put the honey in the lemon juice to dissolve it and then mix everything together, chuck it in a dipping sauce bowl and you are ready to go. Now, speaking of cooking, I don't know about you, but we find lunch on the road can sometimes be a really big hassle. Some days you have the time to stop and set up for a bite, while other other times, as I said, it can be a real pain and hassle. But what if you could be cooking lunch or even your tea whilst you're driving? 
enter the Australian-made travel buddy. Approximately eight years ago, a close friend approached some friends to ask if they could make up something to heat his sausage rolls. He said he'd tried all the usual methods, such as heating them on the dashboard with the heater, placing them in the engine bay and putting them on a manifold, all while travelling around the high country. After a few prototypes, Travel Buddy eventually finished up with the product that you see today, which is a strong, reliable 12-volt oven which will heat or cook your food without making it smell like diesel or petrol. Another friend last year asked if they could make a 24-volt oven. He was working with the heavy earth-moving equipment and needed a 24-volt oven in his machine's cabin. After he'd already had two 12-volts in his 4x4, he knew how good they were. So once again, Travel Buddy set to the task. They were happy to produce the 24-volt Travel Buddy that you see today. And, of course, if you remember, or if you have the time, it's always good to preheat your food in the oven, so pop it in for half an hour before placing the food in the Travel Buddy. However, most of us are not that organised, and the following hints for a cold oven, which is preheating the oven, will change the heating time. It changes it by about 15 to 30 minutes, depending on what's cooking. Another hint to follow is the fuller the oven is, the longer it will take to cook. That is, if you have eight pies, four on top and four on the bottom, you won't have as much room for the hot air to move around. And it may take slightly longer, and you'll need to rotate the pies from the top of the top to the bottom of the oven at least once. And that's with the element at the bottom of the oven. It's hotter on the bottom tray, obviously. So, for example, pies, frozen pies. A frozen pie placed into a cold a travel buddy oven will take approximately 90 minutes. A thawed pie uh, placed in the cold oven will take approximately 45 minutes. And six frozen party pies will, you're probably looking around about 45 minutes. If you've got leftovers or casseroles, that's one of the most common reasons people use the travel buddy. It's to heat the leftover casseroles that have been pre-made. Now, travel buddy suggests you place the leftovers or casseroles into a foil baking tray, which is easy to get from your local supermarket, and you cover it. The length of heating time will depend variably on what you are heating, but below is an approximate guide to go by, which is the thawed leftovers placed in a cold oven will take approximately 60 minutes. The frozen leftovers placed in a cold oven will take approximately 90 minutes. And you can even cook a small roast in the Travel Buddy. Something to go by is like a 700-gram rolled pork roast, um, again from the supermarket already in the foil baking dish, a two, two medium potatoes, just cut them to six to eight pieces and we put the slits in the top of each one. You place the potatoes on and around the roast and you sprinkle on your favourite seasoning. It's that easy, cover it with foil. Um, when we did ours, we put it into a cold oven and it cooked about approximately three, and three about three hours and we checked it every you know, once in a while midway through and then t- turned it over when we stopped halfway through, turned the roast over rather. We remember to turn the oven on again when the two-hour timer clicked off. When we got to camp, we bought up some peas, dished the potatoes, and extremely tender pork roast. Nice. And a great start to the holiday. Here's a tip. When cooking a roast or anything that will will have or makes juices, place it into an oven bag to prevent spillage. The main thing to remember, though, with the travel money is to experiment with your cooking times, checking as you go. You can check out the Travel Buddy online at www.travelbuddy.com.au. It's a great bit of kit. We've got one set up in the Kilorado. It's just absolutely perfect. If you're on the road between Melbourne and Sydney, you might find a little town called Holbrook. No big deal, right? Wrong. Located in the middle of farmland, it has a dirty great big submarine parked in this landlocked country town. Why, you may ask? Let's find out. 
On the 24th of August 1915, amid a wave of anti-German feeling related to the First World War, the name of the New South Wales Eastern Riverina town of Germanton, oh dear, was changed to Holbrook to honour a recent Victoria Cross recipient. Commander Norman Douglas Holbrook, VC, 1888-1976, was a British naval recipient of the Victoria Cross, the highest award of the British Honours System. Holbrook was the first submariner to be awarded the VC and it was the first naval VC gazetted in the First World War. At the time, Holbrook was a 26-year-old, a lieutenant in the Royal Navy during the First World War when on the 13th of December 1914 at the Dardanelles in Turkey, he performed a deed for which he was awarded the Victoria Cross. He was in command of the submarine HMS B-11, which was an old and obsolete craft built in 1905. But notwithstanding the difficulties of a treacherous current in the Dardanelles, he dived under five rows of mines and torpedoed and sang the Ottoman ironclad, I don't know how you say this, but I'm going to give it a shot, of Monsieur D.R., M-E-S-U-D-I-Y-E, which was guarding the minefield. In spite of being attacked by a gunfire by gunfire and torpedo boats, Holbrook succeeded in bringing the B-11 back to the Mediterranean. Where they got back to safely, the B-11 had been submerged for nine hours. Holbrook later went on to achieve the rank of commander. Now, he's probably the only VC recipient to have a town, and until May 2004, a local government area named after him. To honour Lieutenant Holbrook, the town's namesake, the Holbrook Council, acquired a portion of the hull of HMAS Otway, which was an Oberon-class submarine after it was decommissioned by the Royal Australian Navy back in 1995. The Navy gifted the fin from the submarine to the town. This resulted in a fundraiser by the town and district to purchase the whole submarine. This drive was successful in raising $100,000, almost all a gift from Lieutenant Holbrook's widow, Gundala Holbrook. However, this amount was still insufficient to purchase all of the Otway, and through negotiations with the scrapyard in Sydney, the town succeeded in purchasing all of the outside casing of the Otway above the waterline. This part of the Otway is now displayed at Germanton Park in the heart of Holbrook, having been dedicated on the 7th of June 1997, and a scale replica of the submarine B-11 is on display at Holbrook. So if you're on the road between Sydney and Melbourne, call in, have a look at Holbrook, and you uh, certainly get, you look at it and you go, what the? Well, there's a dirty great big submarine in town, and now you know why. Well, that's all we've got time for on this week's edition of The Road Less Travelled. Just a heads up that you can support the show, support the program The Road Less Travelled by um, jumping onto our Patreon page. Just search for Fat Cat Media. We, put, we will be putting those links up on our Facebook page as well. And again, by jumping on Facebook, just search for Fat Cat Media Adventures and Travels and that's where you'll find us. And exciting things, of course, as well. We're also available on the SoundCloud app and on Apple Podcasts as well. If you'd like more information, simply drop me an email, fatcat, which is P-H-A-T-C-A-T, at iinet.net.au. That's all for this week. We'll catch up with you very soon. Don't forget to be on The Road Less Travelled.